I want to begin this morning by comparing some different times that our Lord is answering things in the gospel. So it's the same Jesus in different questions, but just to see the different ways that he handles different challenges, different questions about some of the things that he's saying. So we just heard the deacon proclaim the gospel from the sixth chapter of the gospel of John. But to begin this morning, I want to go back to the third chapter, and we actually heard from the third chapter last week, but a little bit later than what I'm going to talk about today. At the beginning, we get the setting of the scene. Nicodemus, who is one of the Pharisees, comes to Jesus by night. So he's kind of starting to think there's something going on with Jesus, but he's not ready to sort of like publicly acknowledge that. So he comes to him at night, and he says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus responds, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, being born anew, it's an interesting thing to hear. So Nicodemus asks the question that makes sense. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Understandable question for Nicodemus and his mom. And then Jesus comes back with, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now when you think about that, you know, you go back to the garden, you know, our first parents were told that when you eat the fruit of this tree, you will die. Now they didn't lose their physical life immediately, but they did lose their spiritual life, their communion with the Heavenly Father, who they used to be able to walk with in the cool of the evening, but that's the problem with mortal sin. They cut off that relationship and their death came into the world, right? They died spiritually, eventually would die physically. And at that point, all our first parents could hand on to us is the flesh, is physical life. But of course, we are not without hope. Christ comes, descended into the depths, right? Into death, and was born anew from the womb of the earth, that fresh hewn tomb that no one had been laid in, came out and gave us everlasting life. How do we enter into that? Being born anew by water and the spirits. Mom, don't worry. It's okay. You know, so we get that, you know, it's, this is the way it works. He explains it. Same Jesus, three chapters later in John 6. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Challenging thing to hear, right? They respond, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? His response, very strong. Amen, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. Notice, this time he's not giving a different sort of, you know, like sacramental way of coming at this. Don't worry, guys, you misunderstood me. No. And in fact, if you read the Greek, he even uses a different word for eats. So that first part, when he says that I'm the living bread that came down from heaven, whoever eats this bread will live forever, he says estheo. It's like the same word we would use to like, want to have dinner later? I sure do. Let's come over and have dinner. Like that's like eating there, like a normal human being. But the second time, when he says whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, after they've challenged him, he doesn't say estheo this time. 
He says trogo, and it even sounds different, right? Trogo, as opposed to estheo. Estheo sounds nice. Trogo, it's like it's all there in the front of your mouth, and literally, it's the word that you would use to explain like the way a donkey eats an apple, right? Like it's chewing or gnawing on it. Like he gets more incarnational, more physical. It's like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life within you. And he uses trogo. He's not kidding. This is the real deal. This is what our whole faith is built on, is that Jesus has really and truly given us himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and that we are able to approach him and able to receive him. And of course, is this a mystery? Yes. And thanks be to God, unlike those who are questioning here, we have 2,000 years of church history of being able to meditate upon this and see what that means and see the way that he gives us himself in the sacrament of the Eucharist, his body and blood, soul and divinity, truly there, that are there for us to gnaw on. I mean, and to use kind of like the words that he's using there, it's almost like to chew on the fat, right? Like, hey, let's get together and chew the fat together. It is a a phrase, we just don't use it much anymore. But I think it's a good thing to reflect on in this Corpus Christi Sunday to even go from that like STO understanding to the Trogo understanding. The way that we understand how we come to Christ in the Eucharist. Because in some ways, it's easy to just think like, yeah, this is the formal thing that I do. I come on Sunday and I go about my life and I'll come back on Sunday. But he wants more than that, right? It's not just coming together for a formal meal. The gnawing, the chewing on, the like working through the mystery. It's, it's very, like I said, it's like palpable, incarnational. And that's what he's offering us here. And I would say, look at the way that you approach him and try to like take this trogo aspect to mind. Now, what I mean by that is not come in here and act like an animal, but... You know, our Lord is here all the time, waiting for us all the time in the Blessed Sacrament, reserved in the tabernacle. There is a reason why we leave the church open as much as we do. It's open about six every morning, so basically an hour before the first Mass of the day, until about nine o'clock at night. My hope is someday we're going to build a rectory on site here, then we can leave it open 24 hours a day. Although I will say, at the last finance council meeting, I said that, and good old uh, Mr. Roach here mentioned the fact, he's like, what are you going to do? And it's a good boy, and he's like, what do you think, you're Rambo or something? Okay, no, I know I'm not, but I'll just call my buddy Jay Bassinger on the police force, he'll come and help me out. But to leave it open all the time, why? Because he's here. Because our Lord is truly present here in the Eucharist. And when I say moving from the STO to the Trogo, the way that we approach him, because one of the big, you know, sort of things I hear sometimes, like, Father, I can't go to adoration. It's just, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's just so much time, and, like, I don't know what to say. Here's the thing. Vocal prayer, very important. The rosary, or reading sacred scripture, meditating on it. Do it. Do it every day. But when you come to be with him in the Blessed Sacrament, move beyond just that. Literally, like, chew the fat with him, okay? And I know there are times when it's like, oh, I just get so distracted. Okay! Bring your distractions to him. What are you thinking about? What's going on in your heart? He wants that. He wants you to bring that to him. He wants you to be in his presence and share with him the deepest longings of your heart. It's not coming in here and pretending to be a robot and just, I have to stay focused and that's the end of it and then get out. No. 
We have all night adoration every Wednesday night after the 515 mass until just before the 830 mass on Thursday. There's a reason why there are people in this church all night long. And it's our Lord in the monstrance on the altar. They're present, right? Yes, under the form of bread. But it's really him. And there's a reason why people come for that more than just to come and look at the beautiful statue of the Sacred Heart. The statue of the Sacred Heart looks more like him, but it's really him there. And to be here in his presence, my friends, to take the time to do that, notice he says, this is truly my flesh, true food, true drink. It's really him. And he wants us to come and to give him everything. Talk to him about, about your joys. We just had the graduation mass at the last mass. These kiddos have a lot of accomplishments. I know there's some graduates here right now, right? Tell them about the year, what you're excited about, the next you know, phase in college, what you're nervous about. Because we all have nerves, anxieties. And here's the thing. He wants to be in the mix with you. He wants you to accept him in, to like chew on him and have you with him as you go out there. Notice that at the end of the Mass, the deacon is going to sing, go in peace. But he doesn't say it with a smirk on his face, like, good luck, it's crazy out there. It is a jungle out there, right? I mean, if you ever watch Monk, you sing it every time in the, in the opening credits, right? It is a jungle out there. you got to be careful. But the reason why we can go out there in peace is because he's really here with us. One of the beautiful things that the Vatican Council, the Second Vatican Council said about the Blessed Sacrament is that it is the source and the summit of our faith. That just sort of like rolled through my head for years just not even thinking about it. But the source and the summit are two different things. The source gets us going. It's the beginning. It's like that, that impetus to get up and get out there, right? I remember at my first Mass of Thanksgiving 13 years ago, Father Roger Arnsbarger was the one who preached it. And one of the things that he said that at the time I didn't really appreciate, he said, Father, when you lift up the Blessed Sacrament, it's not really you holding him up. It's him holding you up. And he's right. I mean, I didn't appreciate just the full aspect of that in my second day of being a priest. But man, 13 years later, it's the absolute truth. It's more him holding me up than me holding him up, that he is the source of everything. But the beautiful thing is, is it doesn't just end with the source. He's also the summit. What's the summit? The top of the mountain, the height of all charity and peace that we're climbing toward, that he wants us to be in the mix of that, and he wants us to be able to be nourished on him along the way, to go with that mystery as we move through life. The beautiful thing for us is this isn't just a figure of speech. It's not just a symbol. He doubles down and uses the word trogain, right? Trogo, to chew on. He wants to be in the mix of everything. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we celebrate this solemnity of his body and blood because we have him really and truly present all the time. We have this treasure up here on Lumen Christi Lane, and quite frankly, in every tabernacle and every Catholic church throughout the world. Make sure to take advantage of that treasure. Drive up the road. If you're passing by during the week, make a stop in. That's why we leave it open all the time. If you're here on Wednesday night, be with him in adoration. I promise you to be with him, to chew the fat with him, to keep using that same expression, is an important thing. 
We're not sentenced to just go out there and do it all on our own. He literally gives us the greatest gift we can ever receive, his very self, that he wants us to take into ourselves as we become more and more him, recognizing the fact that he is really and truly present. And one of the best ways we can say thank you is to be present to him. Praise be Jesus Christ.